It is September 17, 2015, and you are listening to The Soul Trap. Thank you so very much for tuning in. We never say that lightly. We always take it uh, as a great honor for you to listen to the podcasts. And today is sort of a special one. Today is our um, post-debate ad-lib comments, and um, I'm at a loss for words. I really am. I thought that the Fox debate uh, made me want to put my fist through the TV screen. I thought that was pretty bad, but um, last night, uh, there's no doubt in my there's no doubt in my mind. I lost several years off my life last night. Um, I don't even know where to start, where to begin. But uh, I've had quite a few people um, say, "Well, we're interested in hearing what you have to say," and so I thought, you know what? I'm going to try to share with you some of my thoughts about what I took away from the debate last night. I'm going to tell you right up front, these are not technical comments. They're exactly what they're listed as. They're, um, they're ad-lib comments. They're just kind of coming from my gut. But i got to tell you something. I, uh, <laughs> I'm really concerned because when I look at what we saw last night and I see what's going on in our nation, it is unbelievable to me the dog and pony show that our political system has become. And uh, if, it, if it wasn't so tragic, it would be absolutely the best of comedy. It really would be. Um, it's like just putting on display galactic morons for two hours, and then you roll the dice and hope that something sticks. I, I, I'm at a loss for words. Um, so I don't want to burst anybody's bubble. I don't want to upset anybody's uh, cart. I don't want to barbecue anybody's sacred cow, but uh, boy, I tell you what, if you, if you ever wanted to know what kind of situation we're in, just watch these debates. So I, I want to try to be brief. I want to try to be real. Uh, I want to try to be succinct. And here's the thing. I'm going to try to do what the politicians don't do. And I'm just going to speak from my gut and speak from my heart and tell you what I'm thinking a little bit about each of the candidates and... Uh, I think I'm going to end really with uh, what I think is uh, on everybody's mind. But um, when I was looking at those candidates on stage last night and just watching them, it, it just unbelievable, uh, frustratingly unbelievable. Chris Christie, enough, uh, enough, man, you, you know, just enough. He, he needs to go back to New Jersey. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be ugly. Give the guy a gift certificate to Cinnabon. Getting him a Bruce Springsteen greatest hit CD from the Walmart discount bin and send him back to New Jersey. I mean, we're, we're just done. I, I mean, the guy oozes with deli meat products and age-old political lies, neither of which are good for the country. And we were just done with him. Can somebody send him back? Um, you know, I wish the Sopranos were still on. I mean, you can get him a part in the Sopranos or something, but we're just done with Chris Christie. Can we move on? I think we all got fooled when he first came out. We all kind of had our Chris Christie love affair. Oh, this guy might be the real deal. He's not, he isn't, and he's not ever going to be. Next selection. Well, Miss Carly. I have to admit, I, I, I was a little dodgy about her when I first saw her, but I liked what I saw last night. Daddy-like. Uh, I thought it was pretty good, to be honest with you. I hope that uh, what she's saying and what she's doing is not a carefully devised ploy. 
which, to be honest with you, this might just be my cynicism. But I, I kind of feel like it is. But at least she's saying some of the things that need to be said. Um, I like the way she stood up to, to Trump. I mean, she just pimp-slapped Donald Trump. And I thought that was great. I just loved it. And, and the truth of the matter is, one of the things I like about her is she's, in a way, she seems to be sort of a trump light. Um, I'm trying to think of how to say this without being crass, but she says things with some testicular fortitude, and I like that. She doesn't seem to couch or preface a lot of what she says. She just kind of said it. I don't know enough about her. I'm concerned about some of the uh, progressive um, philosophies and ideologies that I've picked up in reading. But I'll tell you this, I'm definitely going to do some more research on her because, um, man, I'll tell you what, she she was a tiger and I, I kind of liked it. If nothing else, just somebody else that was able to actually out-talk, out-think, and out-maneuver Trump, that should tell you a little bit. Uh, and I also like the way she put Chris Christie in his place. At one point, I thought she was gonna—I thought she, they were gonna get in a brawl. Man, she she kind of has that look too. If you look at her, she kind of has that look like at any moment she could snap and go Muay Thai on you. And uh, that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. I kind of like that. Governor Scott Walker. I'm sure the guy's a good guy. I, I don't mean anything to be ugly, but. To me, he looks like he's running for president in between checking his fantasy football scores and maybe even trying to figure out if he wants to try out for the remake of Leave it to Beaver. I mean, the guy just, I don't know, he seems like a kid up there to me. Uh, I know that he's been somewhat successful in Wisconsin. I know that he's sort of a golden boy among some of the establishment conservatives and that kind of thing, but I don't know, there's just something about him, man. I just, I, I feel like that... I don't know. This is just my gut opinion, but I feel like he could take it or leave it. Okay. I feel like he could either run for president or he could go to Hooters, grab some wings and, and watch the Patriots play. I mean, that's just kind of my, my take on him. I could be wrong. One thing about it is I'm tired of him, but I'm tired of all of them. I get it. You were the governor, Wisconsin successful. We got it. How many flipping times have you got to tell us that? When I was in Wisconsin, we blah, blah, blah. When I was in Wisconsin, we blah, blah, blah. I know these guys are supposed to tell us and introduce us to them, but I don't know, man. After a while, it just gets kind of old. What about Rand Paul? I got to admit, I, I used to be a pretty big Rand Paul fan. But I got to be honest with you. The guy is coming across more and more, and I'm not sure the technical word for it, but I guess the closest thing to the technical word that I could come to is, is just kind of a jerk. I, I mean, I hate to say that. He, he looks mad all the time. Every time I look on the screen and I see him, it's like he's he's talking down. I, I don't know. He just looks mad. He looks like he's talking down to everybody in the room. And I know I'm going to get in trouble for, for pointing this out, but the curls, the hair curls, they've got to go. They've got to go. I mean, I don't know if I'm looking at Senator Paul or if I'm looking at Tito Jackson. I don't know who I'm looking at up there. But the curls just do not project power. I'm sorry. I hate to be so image conscious, but, I mean, I just can't see a guy with a jerry curl sitting across, uh, you know, from the, the people in Iran and, and Putin and that kind of thing. I mean, I don't know. Putin's hunting tigers and, and killing polar bears, and our guy's trying to find product for his hair. That's just, nah, nah, I'm being mean. But anyway, John Kasich. John Kasich. You've got to be a political insider to even know this guy's name. 
He's been around for a long time. That's the first strike for me. He kept touting that like that was a big thing. I've been around. Man, listen, if you've been around for more than, what, five, six years, see ya. Get out. Leave. We're done with it. We don't need any more political insiders. And anybody who starts going, well, I've been around since, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear it. That's your first strike for me. Your second strike for me is the fact that Hillary Clinton was at your reception. That's a big one to me. If you're chummy enough to have Hillary Clinton at your wedding reception, you are not a good candidate for me. Period. You don't, you don't need to even explain. You don't even need to try to, well, you don't understand the circumstances. Don't need to understand the circumstances. Not necessary. Um... Something's wrong there. The other thing about it is, I don't know if you watched if you watched the debates last night, but the guy could not stand still. Did anybody notice that? I mean, the guy's just bobbing around, jerking around, and, and moving around. I don't know if he was on ner- nerves. I don't know if he's hopped up on crack. I don't know what his deal was. But he was just bobbing and weaving like Muhammad Ali up there. Man, just stand still, articulate normal human sentences, and, and be done with it. But John Kasich, negatory negatory not even on a bad day the truth of the matter is one of the things we have to understand as conservatives is that there's not a lot of difference between a progressive republican and a progressive democrat i'm sorry to tell you that which leads me right into jeb bush so what's your problem with bush his last name next candidate i mean we're not a dynasty this isn't england this isn't France, the House of the Bourbons. This isn't the Habsburgs. We've had enough of George W., of George Herbert, of George Walker, of any of them. None of them. I don't want any of them. They're done. Get them out. Gone. Bye. See ya. Well, this guy has some really good ideas. Great. Go be the president of Venezuela. Go be the president of somewhere else. Not here. I mean, Jeb Bush... If you watched the debate last night, did you see, (laughs) I thought it was so funny, did you see where Jeb Bush all of a sudden tried to get real tough and strong with Donald Trump about, Donald Trump supposedly made a a remark about his wife, and uh, the reason that Bush is uh, sympathetic to the Hispanic causes because his wife is Hispanic, and he's like, yeah, you owe my wife an apology, I'm going to get real tough and show you that I'm a real tough, everyday, regular, average, uh, dynastic politician, uh, multimillionaire, all that stuff, I'm done with it, Bush is a common core guy, Bush is a friend of progressives in whatever party that they're in, move on, move on. Ted Cruz, I kind of like the guy, but he's a horrible, horrible, horrible candidate. I hate to say that because I actually like a lot of what he stands for. Truth is, I pretty much like everything that he stands for. I just, I don't know, he comes across so politician-y. I mean, every time he speaks, I feel like it's so polished, so practiced, that it's just not real. And I hate that. I wish... I really do wish that Ted Cruz could come across, I don't know, not so whiny, not so politician-y. I don't know, maybe it's just me. Now, Marco Rubio. Now, Marco Rubio, who cares really about what he's saying, right? He's a hottie. I mean, let's let's just be honest here for just a moment. At least if we're going to have politicians screwing us over, wouldn't it be nice to actually have a politician that looked good? I mean, Rubio... 
he's sharp, man. From the dimple in his tie to the tie choice to the way he combs his hair. I got to admit, just from image, I kind of like the guy. But the truth of the matter is, my fear about Rubio is that Rubio was like that cool kid in high school, right? That you thought for some reason is your friend. Maybe you dropped a book and he picked it up, or maybe there was no other seat in lunch and you sat down beside him and you had like five minutes of conversation and all of a sudden, you know, you think like you're really, really in with him. Then you dismiss and you're walking across the parking lot and Rubio's standing over there with his friends, all the cool crowd, and you think, oh, you know, I'm in, I'm in like Flynn. And you wave and you're like, Rube, what's up, man? What's going on? And he just kind of looks at you and then he looks back and never even acknowledges that you exist. That's kind of how I feel about Marco Rubio. Like right now, we're all buddies. Tea partiers, uh, you know, am, uh, against amnesty, all this kind. We're all kind of buddies. But I got a feeling in my gut that when school's out and he's hanging out with his friends, he isn't going to give us the time of day. Huckabee, do I really need to even say anything else? Uh, look, I know some of you guys love Huckabee. He's, he's, he's the best of both worlds. He's like slash politician slash preacher slash something. Listen, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be ugly. But there is no way someone with the name Huckabee is getting elected. I'm sorry, period, move on. Maybe he's a good vice president. And I tend to think he probably would be. But um, it just, just isn't happening. Just not going to happen. So, just kind of knee-jerk reaction. Those were the candidates that just really stood out to me. But now we come to the elephant in the room. Trump and Dr. Carson. To me, what's interesting about this, and I guess maybe I'm more of a sort of a philosophical type of guy, but what's interesting to me is that there are two sides to the coin of the soul of the Republican Party. Very interesting study. There is no way that anybody who knows anything about politics or personality believes that Donald Trump truly is a conservative. But that's not why he's being embraced by the Republicans. I think even all the people that like him, if you were honest, I think most of the people that like him don't even trust him. But Donald Trump has tapped into something deep, I think. He's tapped into a frustration. He's tapped into a longing in the soul of the Republican Party. Really the soul of the conservatives, the Tea Partiers, the Constitutionalists. I think he's tapped in and somehow or another made us to believe that he will actually do what we want done. You see, the myth is that we elect, the myth that we're told is that we elect our candidates to go up and to work in a bipartisan way, and that's a big pile of poo. We elect our candidates because we want them to go up and to represent us, to do what we think is right, what we think is best for the country, and likewise the other side. That's just the way it is. I think we believe deep down, or maybe we want to believe deep down, 
that Donald Trump is actually going to do what we elect him to do. And that, I believe, is his shtick. I think he has convinced us that he will do what we want him to do. That might not be an entirely good thing. In fact, I tend to think that it's probably not in the long run. But we are tired of sending people to Washington on promise after promise, only to find that when they get there, they lie, they cheat, by hook or by crook, and they never do anything we voted for them to do in the first place. And somehow or another we believe them, re-elect them, and re-elect them, and re-elect them, All the while, we're patted on the head and told that we don't understand how Washington works. We don't understand how government works. We need to be more bipartisan. We need to come together and yada, 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 yada. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you something. There are a lot of people that I know that do not trust Donald Trump. They do not believe that he is a conservative. But some way, somehow, he has convinced us that he is actually going to do what we want to do. And that is to act like a winner. Good or bad, I tend to think maybe that Trump has convinced most Republicans that he's actually going to do something. Enough talk. He will actually win. And when he wins, he will actually act like a winner. Most Republicans are so tired of being on the losing side even when we win. It's like we win the Super Bowl, but then we're the ones that walk away into the locker room, while the other party, they're the ones that celebrates with the confetti and the trophy and the champagne and the interviews and the pictures, all the while we're in the locker room. And I'm going to tell you something, I think people are sick and tired of it. And he has tapped into that. But there's a danger in thinking that because he has tapped into being a winner and doing, that he is noble. And I hate that because... I like to win. If you're to ask me gut on the surface, knee-jerk reaction, what I want, I want a Trump. I want a guy that wins, and bless your heart, I want a guy that acts like a winner. How on earth can we be in charge of both houses of Congress and yet not be able to get anything done? But I don't know that that's the high road, and I certainly don't think that that's the right road. I think what we need for lack of a better word, is not an experienced man, not a even smartest man in the room man, not a businessman, not a jobs man. I believe what we desperately need in the soul of the conservative movement, in the soul of the Republican Party, and for the soul of this nation, I believe we need a noble man. You don't have to be an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, King James-only, soul-winning, slobber-spitting, all that kind of a stuff, Baptist, to be noble. You can be wrong and yet be noble. Dr. Carson's specific branch of theology, I believe, is wrong, but he's noble. I hate to break this to you, but we may come to find out down through the years that some of Dr. Carson's um, political stances and Political choices may actually be wrong, but he can still be noble. When I watched the debates last night, I saw in Donald Trump 
I don't know, a, a guy being a jerk to jerks. And I'm so tired of the jerks that him being a jerk has kind of become acceptable to me. And I don't think we can live that way long. What I saw in Dr. Carson was a man that is noble. He may not have command of every subject. He may not be as quick-witted as others. He certainly has the least political experience of others, which, to my thinking, is a good thing. But above all, he's noble. He's noble in dialogue. He's noble in disagreement. He's noble in national unity. He's noble in his speech. He's noble in his carriage. Noble in his family. Noble in his profession. He's a noble man. And I found myself torn, though, As I watched Dr. Carson last night, my fear is, as noble and as kind as he is, will he be noble in war? Now, what do I mean by that? By that I mean there comes a time when even the deepest peacemakers, the noblest of all, must be willing to fight, to claw, to scratch, to sacrifice, to stand, to do all that is necessary for the defense of the principles that are of highest value. As kind and meek and character-driven as Dr. Carson is, can he be a man of courage in the face of wars? And make no mistake about it, ladies and gentlemen, we are facing a time of war. War socially. War politically. War geopolitically. War economically. We are facing a time of war for the soul and well-being of the Republic of the United States of America. Can he fight the good fight? I understand that he can dialogue. I understand that he can find avenues of peace. But when the chips are down and the volleys must be hurled, is he going to be a man of courage in war? I was not sure. Until this morning, something came to my mind that I had read some time ago. Dr. Lord Moran Moran, was the personal doctor to Winston Churchill and wrote what I think is one of the best books ever, The Anatomy of Courage. In that book, in my office, I have it circled. And I came into the office this morning and the thought was on my mind and I looked at that book and I remembered a quote that Dr. Moran had written. He said, and I quote, A man of character in peace is a man of courage in war. I submit to you that it is the control, the measure, the reserve, the meekness, the tenderness. It is the care and the character of Dr. Carson that will ensure his commitment to do what is necessary when the time comes. I think Dr. Carson has what we may need. He has character. He has competence. But he has character. And I believe when the chips are down, he will have courage. Those are my comments. Those are my thoughts. God bless.